were lucky enough to have lived in Paris as a young man, then wherever you go for the rest of your life, it stays with you. For Paris is a movable feast. Ernest Hemingway Welcome to Angry Typewriter, a podcast about writing and the writing life. I'm Paul, and I hope you're all doing well on this very special day. It's a very special day, not just here at Angry Typewriter, but across the literary world. Because today, July 21st, is the birthday of Ernest Hemingway. Now, I say at the beginning of each episode that this is a podcast about writing and the writing life. Well, if there is one example, one template, one person to whom you should aspire, both for writing and the writing life, it's Ernest Hemingway. Let's take a quick look at his life right now. Now, obviously, I could talk for hours about the literary genius that was Ernest Hemingway. I could talk about how he won the Pulitzer Prize for The Old Man in the Sea in 1952, or how he won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1954. I could talk about how his background in journalism helped him to develop a prose style in his novels that was lean and economical and beautiful and still influences writers to this day. I could talk about how he was an amazing short story writer. I could also talk about how four of his novels, The Sun Also Rises, A Farewell to Arms, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and The Old Man in the Sea are consistently considered among the best novels ever written in the English language. But you know all that. It's the man's birthday. Let's have a little fun. You may have known that Hemingway was married four times, but did you know that he dedicated a book to each of his four wives? In the order of the marriages, he dedicated The Sun Also Rises to Hadley Richardson, Death in the Afternoon to Pauline Pfeiffer, For Whom the Bell Tolls to Martha Gellhorn, and Across the River and Into the Trees to his last wife, Mary. Speaking of Mary, she got to take part in one of the most famous episodes in his life and one that she probably would have preferred to miss. In 1954, they were vacationing in Africa when their sightseeing charter hit a utility pole and crashed. The rescue plane that was sent to retrieve them exploded on takeoff, leaving Hemingway with burns, concussions, and various other injuries. When they finally got to medical care, by truck, not by plane, it had already been reported that he died. So Hemingway got to do something that few of us do. He got to read his own obituary. 
another thing Hemingway got to do that, well, none of us ever will, and few ever did, was checking out F. Scott Fitzgerald's private parts. He talks about it in A Movable Feast, the excellent memoir of his time in Paris in the 1920s. Apparently, Fitzgerald, who was well known to be insecure about a lot of things, but especially about his marriage to Zelda, who was insane, God love her. Well, one time Zelda had mocked his manhood, saying that there was no way he could please a woman. Nice thing for your wife to say. Well, he mentions this to Hemingway, and Hemingway said, well, let's go in the bathroom and check it out in true Hemingway style. So they did. And Hemingway assured Fitzgerald that he was of a perfectly normal size. This just doesn't happen to people who aren't in the literary pantheon. In the decades since his death, and especially with the advent of just unbelievable political correctness in the last few decades, critics have started to look differently at Hemingway especially his macho persona. And they say that that's what it was. It was just a big put on. And did he create a persona that was larger than life and that was probably in many ways different than who he really was? Of course he did. He was a showman as much as anything else. And it helped him sell books. And authors want to write books that sell. But for all those egghead Ivy League critics who want to say that he was all talk, let's consider a few things about Hemingway's life. For one thing, as I just mentioned, the man survived back-to-back plane crashes. You got to be pretty tough to pull that off. He boxed regularly, hunted, fished. At one point, he held a record for having caught seven marlin in one day. When he was 18 years old, before America had even entered World War I, he left home and volunteered as an ambulance driver on the Italian front, where he was seriously wounded by mortar fire, yet still helped to treat wounded Italian soldiers. He won an Italian silver medal for valor for that action. 20 years later, he put his life on the line again covering the Spanish Civil War. And 10 years after that, he covered World War II, going ashore just after the Normandy landings. And although he was a journalist and technically a non-combatant, actually helped kill several SS officers with grenades, an action for which he was awarded the Bronze Star. Well, before the Normandy landings, right after the United States entered World War II, He was living in Cuba, and he used his boat, the Pilar, to hunt for Nazi submarines that were seen off the coast of the United States and in the Caribbean. Now, what he would have done had he actually caught one, no one really knows, but knowing Hemingway, he probably would have jumped on board and figured it out later. Critics also love to say that he exaggerated all of his accomplishments like you can exaggerate a Pulitzer Prize and a Nobel Prize, none of which any of those idiots have ever earned. But the reality is, 
It's just not true. He could have made up grand stories about his time in World War II, but instead he talked about the places that he liberated in Paris. And I put quotes around liberated. He and a group of others liberated the bar at the Ritz Hotel. And later, for his friend Sylvia Beach, he liberated Shakespeare and Company. He was a man who had a sense of humor, something far too many lack today. Much is also made of the fact that he was a big game hunter, something that is frowned upon nowadays. But we can't project 21st century values back on mid and early 20th century people. It's just not, it's just not right and it's not fair. But while it's true he was a big game hunter, he also loved cats, really loved cats. But in true Hemingway style, he loved a particular kind of cat. He had a fondness for cats who have more than five toes on each foot. They're known as polydactyl cats, I believe. Over time, the collection he had in his house in Key West, Florida, grew to around 50 of the more than five-toed cats, and they now are known as Hemingway cats. And if you go to his house in Key West, there are still cats there today. Yes, he was a complicated man, and yes, he had bluster. He once got into a fist fight with Orson Welles, although they eventually became friends. He had a long-running feud with William Faulkner, and he is part of the reason that I don't much like Faulkner today. But he loved his children, stayed on good terms with well, most of his ex-wives, not so much Martha Gellhorn, but the other two, and wrote novels that people will be reading a thousand years from now. That's a pretty good life by any sense of measurement may surprise you, although if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, it probably won't, but I'm not going to recommend one of his better known novels. I'm going to recommend the book that I took the quote from at the beginning of this episode, A Movable Feast, his chronicle of his time in Paris in the 1920s. It's an amazing book in so many ways, and it really straddles the line between fact and fiction. But you get to meet so many people that were part of the lost generation of writers and artists in Paris at that time, from Gertrude Stein to Scott Fitzgerald to Ezra Pound and Ford Maddox Ford and just a litany of others. You get to see his development as a writer and you get to see how he saw Paris and you can feel it. It's just, it's an amazing book and I reread it pretty much once a year. It's an especially good entry point for you if you've never read any of Hemingway's works because he really was an amazing author and an amazing man. Happy birthday, Papa. Keep on reading. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Angry Typewriter. I hope it's been both informative and entertaining. 
especially for you writers out there. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I hope you'd also consider clicking on the support this podcast link on the Anchor site. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep these episodes coming. And it will also go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again. Thank you.